Get 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online at DiscountTire.com. Discount Tire, let's get you taken care of. They said lowering drug prices was a fight we couldn't win. The big drug companies have billions of dollars and an army of lobbyists. But AARP stood with our 38 million members and forced the drug companies to lower drug prices. It's a victory for all Americans. But Big Pharma won't give up, so neither will AARP. Join our fight at aarp.org slash fierce defender. That's aarp.org slash fierce defender. Welcome. It's that time again. Matt Connerton unleashed, and we are live from the studios of WMNH 95.3 FM in glorious downtown Manchester, New Hampshire. Also on Comcast 97 if you're in Manchester. And hello to all of our online listeners across the nation and around the globe. You can go to my website, mattconnerton.com, for all your live streaming options, social media links, contact info, show archives, etc., etc. Jenny is here as well at the news desk. Hello, hello. Hey, I just have to ask out of curiosity, what just happened? Um, that individual was looking for something called Granite State something or another, but it neither was here nor the studio and and I could not get up and help this gentleman because we are live on air right now, in case you didn't notice. Yes, we're doing um, a live radio yeah, show. Yeah, live radio show. And, and I'm not wanders. a director. I honestly have no <laughs> idea what this person is talking about. Oh, no. Oh, we get the, it's, you know, not the first time, won't be the last time. Oh, gee, wow. Yeah, the guy was, was a... just like yelling at us, hey, <laughs> hey. <God. laughs> like, Dude, no. People are just bizarre. Wait, I got to put it in the right lingo. Bro. Yeah. <laughs> no, dude, bro. Well, we are live, <laughs> and we're going to be joined in just a moment uh, via Skype by our friend Richard A. Lawhern, Ph.D., uh, also known as uh, simply as Red Lawhern. Uh, he has been on the show a couple of times, I think two or three times. Uh, oh, yeah. But it's been, it's been a long time since we've spoken with him. So uh, he uh, is an advocate for pain patients and... That is a subject that uh, does come up on the show uh, quite often. And um, so, you know, it's always great to talk to to him. He's out there fighting the good fight, helping people. Absolutely. He's been doing it for a lot of years. He's been looking out for patients and gathering research, and he's a wealth of knowledge. Yes. When we were looking to change laws here in New Hampshire, we did look towards what he had already been writing about and talking about for, for some insight and inspiration. Yes, yes. So he's going to be calling in just a moment. Uh, before we get rolling, too, I do want to remind everybody that we are proudly sponsored by the Hopknot. Don't go there today because Monday and Tuesday is their weekend, but they are open Wednesday through Sunday. Uh, such a wonderful sponsor, great food, great service, a wonderful family. And by the way, one week from today, we will be joined in studio by Kenny from the Hopknot. You know, they are a black-owned business, and I was talking to Kenny about it, and I said I'd really like to get you in on a Monday before uh, – 
before the end of Black History Month. And um, he is available. He's a very, very busy guy, but he is available next Monday. So uh, so he will be here. It's been a while since we've talked to Kenny on the show, actually. Yeah, it has. So it has. It'll be good to see him. But they've been really, really busy. Yes, yes. I, I think the last gender blender, they said that they were like at capacity. They couldn't even let anyone else in. Yeah. They're doing desserts now. It's like I had a picture of a trifle. It was amazing looking. I need this dessert in my life. Oh, very good. And uh, Red, is that you? Yes, that's me indeed. Wonderful. You you sound great. Uh, it's it's nice to have you on the show. We were uh, we were just uh, talking about you a moment ago and your your work in uh, advocating for pain patients. And it's it's actually I think you've uh, joined us two or three times in the past, but it's been a long time. It's been at least I, I think probably at least two years. Uh, how have you been? Ah, uh, well, <laughs> I'm just back on my feet after having uh, a medical procedure to get rid of a kidney stone. But other than that, <laughs> I'm, I'm still busy. I'm still engaged and still working every day with uh, chronic pain patients and their caregivers and increasingly with medical professionals. So uh, maybe your audience probably ought to know a couple things about me as we start. Oh, absolutely. Just to be sure I don't, yeah. don't want to misrepresent myself here. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, go ahead, please. I was just yeah, going to well, ask you that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's a, that's kind of a legal requirement, too. <laughs> I am basically a subject matter expert in public policy for the prescription of opioid pain relievers and for the regulation of physicians who prescribe. I'm a technically trained information miner and a former national intelligence officer uh, in the U.S. military. My doctorate is not in medicine. It is in uh, engineering systems, and a lot of my career was in information recovery and data mining. I got into chronic pain as an area of engagement and involvement 25-plus years ago when my wife came down with a very rare facial neuropathy of sorts, neuropathic pain. And I got brought into the field, particular field of public policy on opioids by increasing inquiries from patients that uh, came to me for assistance in finding authoritative resources on the treatment of their pain. So I've got over 150 published papers and articles and interviews in this field, but I'm not a doctor and I don't represent myself as one. I'm careful about that. Yeah. Absolutely. It's actually how um, I, how we actually met was when I got diagnosed with CRPS, I came across your data to help with my own personal care. So yep. it was it was a, I stumbled upon you from trying to get myself help, and and I and you've been a resource for me ever since. So uh, for, for just for my own sake of finally getting to be able to say something to you publicly, thank you so much for everything you do. You were an inspiration and, and part of the help of when we went and changed the laws here in New Hampshire to help long-term chronic pain patients. So thank well, you. I, pre I appreciate that validation. And uh, by way of just one slight additional remark on qualifications, uh, I have been doing this for about 25 years. I wrote one of the National Institute on Neurologic Disorder and Stroke fact sheets uh, on uh, neuropathic facial pain. And I have had person-to-person -person contacts at a distance through social media with well over 40,000 patients, many of whom have uh, had issues very similar to yours. I've talked to a lot of people who deal with complex regional pain disorder and with, with uh, reflex sympathetic dystrophy, which is another involved problem there. So 
my job in all of that has not been to tell people what to do. It's been to tell them, okay, here's an authoritative place you can read from someone who has a right to have an opinion and is licensed to to practice medicine or who has at the very least credentials that are appropriate for helping you to resolve what you do from here on out. And I do a lot of that all the time now, even in addition to the policy work I do. So I'm glad I could help you. And uh, I'm doing this every day. I probably work 60 and 70 hour a week sometimes doing it. Yeah. So what can we do for your audience? Let me, uh, uh, before we get uh, rolling further, let me just give the number in case anyone would like to. Uh, Red is joining us via Skype, so we have an open phone line. So if anyone has any questions or, uh, or anything they'd like to engage on on this subject, 603-250-6007 is the number you can call. 603-250-6007. Uh, you can also tweet me, email me, matt at mattconnerton.com. And of course, you can interact and opine as many of our listeners do in the uh, Facebook live chat. Uh, in fact, I see in the uh, chat room, Lynn Gates Jackson says, looking forward to listening to you and Red. Um, so you've got a, you've got a fan in there already. And I know you have a, a lot of, um, you know, I know from having you on the show before that uh, you do have a large, a large following, a lot of people who are very, very grateful to you for all the work that you do and your advocacy and uh, and the help that you've uh, that you've been able to give them and uh, I, I you probably don't remember because it has been a couple of years uh, since we've talked but um, my mother you know this this uh, the issue of, of pain and chronic pain obviously is um, not something I've ever had to deal with myself um, for, which I'm you know knock on wood but uh, you know two two of the women in my life uh, have of course Jenny. Uh, as she described, and also my mother, who had a, a terrible back injury uh, when she was in a car accident uh, right here in Manchester, actually, uh, on the Emiskeg Bridge in uh, the late 1970s that left her in chronic pain. And she had a situation a couple of years ago, and I, I'm not sure if this was before or after the last time we spoke, Red, but um, she was in a situation where because of the changing laws, she currently lives in Wisconsin, and she was on for, uh, for her, her back pain. She was on just a very low dose of methadone that uh, that allowed her to be able to continue to function, and uh, and she all of a sudden was cut off. Uh, her doctor told her one day, you know, I'm very sorry, Lori, but uh, we, you know, because I'm I'm afraid. I don't know if he ever explained it quite this way, but basically he expressed that he was concerned about the government. Um, coming in and, you know, we've talked about it before, what happens, you know, they, they, uh, the way they clamp down on doctors who are prescribing pain medication to, to people who genuinely need it. And again, it's, she wasn't an addict. She was just on a very low dose of methadone, uh, so that she could, you know, stand up and walk around and, and continue to live a productive life. That's all. And all of a sudden she was cut off completely and it, uh, you know, she uh, nearly committed suicide. It, it's a, it's a whole, uh, a whole big thing. So, um, you let know, so, oh, go ahead. Let me respond to that a little bit. Your mom is one of literally millions of people who are in the same situation. And I mean that it's millions. Yeah. Uh, we now know at least from fragmentary data that the, um, uh, government, both federal and state um, clampdown on doctors has discouraged so many of them from prescribing safe and effective opioid therapy that something on the order of half of all general practices in the U.S. 
are now refusing new patients for pain, for any kind of pain management. They just flat won't take new patients. And the U.S. government is directly responsible for that mm -hmm. because the U.S. government has engaged in a campaign not of prosecution but of persecution. Could you expand and, on that a little more so people – I want people to understand what doctors have been faced with that have caused them to make these very harsh decisions. Well, there's a, very, there's a spectrum of issues out there as far as the, the influence on doctors. But the, the big ones are basically that about 36 states have taken the 2016 CDC guidelines on prescription of opioids to adults. And instead of using them as guidelines or guidance, they have turned them into hard and fast limitations on opioid prescribing. And they've established numerical thresholds. I heard somebody peep on the bang on the, uh, the, the uh, call here. But anyway, instead of treating these as advisories, which the CDC says, I might add, they are lying. The CDC has lied that these uh, guidelines were never intended to be used as hard and fast um, um, laws, if you will. But that's a, that, that is not only a lie, it's a damned lie, mm. because that's exactly what they intended. That's the way they wrote them. They know that doctors basically would take a guideline and use it as an attempt to protect themselves from the DEA and from the DEA's little brothers and sisters at state <laughs> level and from state medical boards that read only the summaries of the CDC guidelines and didn't read all of details and, and put down what amounted to restrictive and punitive guidelines or uh, legislation. And, and New Hampshire had some of that legislation in place. Mm -hmm. Uh, and basically what's happened is that the CDC is directly responsible for killing thousands of patients because thousands have committed suicide yes. from being deserted by their doctors, unable to find another doctor who would treat them, and in such agony that suicide looked like the only answer. Now, remember, too, I'm not advocating suicide. Of course. I deal with people all the time that are on the, on the hairy edge of this kind of trouble. And I do recommend that they make use of the National Suicide Hotline if they're in such desperation because they need help, clearly, and they're in a position where sometimes they're not thinking very clearly. So what I'm saying, what I've been saying two years ago when we talked on this, is that the CDC uh, has made a truly disastrous and essentially punitive effort. They've put out a punitive effort uh, under the... Um, what what they describe as an effort to to moderate and and uh, reduce the so-called opioid opioid epidemic, which is a total misnomer from the first from the start. But anyway, they've tried to reduce the opioid crisis by discouraging the use of opioids for control of pain. But reality is the reality the CDC has steadfastly refused to acknowledge or to act upon. The reality is that for millions of patients, these these uh, uh, therapies involving opioids of various types are not only effective, they're safe, and they don't cause addiction for the for the huge majority, and they don't even cause dependence for great numbers. Uh, we know that from published work by medical professionals and the CDC and the writers of the guidelines, which is a, a much smaller group. It's now five people. 
have basically said, we don't care. We're going to put guide, we're going to put opioids out of practice and out of reach. And we're going to do it with language that gets us off the hook mm -hmm. as the villains in this piece. And we don't care what you think. When the guidelines first happened and the laws were aggressively changed here in New Hampshire, the provider yep. I had at that time left because they lost too many patients um, to either the streets or suicide and they just fell off the, the scale. He lost too many that he literally quit his job. Yep. And I've talked to numerous doctors who have been in that position and are now. Mm -hmm. I, in the last six months, I've probably advised at least four lawyers on where they can find resources that demonstrate that a DEA persecution is completely unjustified and in fact is contrary to science. And the DEA is going out of its way not only to attempt to use the CDC guidelines as a standard of practice, they're making it up as they go along. They hire witnesses and they pay those witnesses to tell lies about what real uh, and generally accepted practice is. And they basically make up the criteria as they go along to fit the nature of the case they're trying to prosecute against a doctor. And I mean, they, um, here's an example, if you will. I talk with a, with a doctor whose identity I'm careful to, it, to uh, uh, protect. He was in a conference and the conference had as a speaker um, a gentleman who was at that time the chairman of their state medical board. And this chairman of the medical board stood up and he said, I know that several of you in the audience are uh, in pain management practice of some kind. Um, would you care to raise your hands? And nobody in the audience wrote, <laughs> raised their hands. He said, well, in any event, I know some of you must be. So I want you to understand something. We on your state medical board are aware that opioids are being overprescribed generally. And if you prescribed opioids to your um, patients, you need to be aware that we are monitoring your use of opioids mm. for every patient and every prescription you write. And if you write an unusually large number, be aware we're coming after you. And, and they didn't we even, will put, it, sorry? I was just going to say that, and they don't care what practice you're at. So if you're at a practice, you're practicing at a facility that specializes in pain care, you're going to have an inordinate number more of scripts than a general practitioner, but that wasn't even a consideration. It was just by the number of scripts, wasn't it? That's correct. And let me add something to that. In June of 2019, the Board of Governors of the American Medical Association published a report, I believe it's their report number 22, in which they said that the practice uh, from a state attorneys and prosecutors and from the managers of prescription drug monitoring programs of issuing high prescriber letters amounts to a deliberate blacklisting of doctors and their most vulnerable patients. And it is a denial of legal due process. Mm. Wow. DEA has simply ignored that issuance. They don't care because the AMA doesn't have the power to bring them to court. And until somebody does bring them to court and they get seriously penalized for the lies they're telling, uh, they're going to go right on doing the same nonsense. So, you know, your observation and my brief story about the fellow from the uh, uh, medical board, et cetera, are part of a general problem that has resulted 
in a complete lack of pain management practices and the suppression of pain management delivered by general practitioners who are often not specifically trained in the field over areas of the U.S. that are in some cases as large as half of a U.S. state. There may be no facility that will take patients and examine them in person and treat them. And that, that's the case in Montana. It's the case in large sections of, of Minnesota and Michigan. It's the case of large sections of Kentucky and, and Texas and now California. Uh, what we're dealing with is a, an absolute uh, campaign, a crusade on the part of the DEA, which is intended to drive doctors out of pain management practice and is succeeding in that intent. Um, Red, we have so, a, oh, we have a, a question in the Facebook live chat. I also want to acknowledge too, Glenn RJ Willette is uh, here in the studio with us. Hi, Glenn. Hi. Feel, feel free to uh, chime in on anything or if you have any questions. Um, Lynn Gates Jackson in the Facebook chat says, I got put on permanent disability in 2006, but backdated to 2002. I have 27 different diagnoses, and my pain doctor put me on methadone and tramadol. I'm on the lowest dose I've ever been on in the last decade. I asked her last Thursday to increase my meds due to me being uh, confined to my bed. She said I needed to be on Suboxone, so I told her respectfully, no thank you. I'll just keep taking what you're giving me now. I'm on 60 MME. Um, it's a milli-equivalency. Morphine milli-equivalency is what that stands for. Okay. Um, Pretty close, yeah. I understand doctors are under huge pressure to not prescribe over 90 because the uh, DEA and DOJ is using wording in the 2016 CDC guidelines to put docs in prison for 40 years for prescribing pain meds to patients that need them for their quality of life. The new CDC guidelines draft is even worse uh what can people like me do well people like you are really in some ways dependent on people like me and on the the rare doctors who have chosen to stand up and uh, use their backbones if you will because doctors are pretty risk averse as a rule but i hate to say this but the truth of the matter is you need to wait and you need to hang on because quite a number of us are now working and we're seeing the tide turning. And I can give you some examples of that. One case, I believe this is Kentucky. A pain management center did to their patient exactly the same thing that the, the individual you've just uh, um, read from had happened to her and basically refused a patient the, um, the prescription of opioids of any kind to deal with uh, multiple conditions that were uh, basically keeping that individual in bed mm -hmm. and in agony. And that individual, after some period of time and multiple uh, emergency room admissions in which no prescriptions were made, um, basically picked up a, a gun and blew his brains out wow. after having leave left a note to his uh, family indicating why he was doing that. The family hired a lawyer and sued the practice center that had refused him pain treatment in the face of his symptoms and of a well-documented diagnostic record. And they won. They won damages in the multi-million dollar uh, range. Now, there may be an appeal of that action. I don't know what that status is. But that's one of a few uh, 
instances that establish uh, precedents that other lawyers can use. Now, there's a couple of other places on this. And if I'm going on too long, interrupt me, Matt, please. Um, the, I, I, actually, Rhett, if you wouldn't mind holding that thought, we have a, uh, someone's uh, calling in. I, I assume this is on the subject. Let, let's, and then we'll, we'll circle back to what you were saying, but let's, um, we'll grab this call. Hi, welcome to Matt Connerton Unleashed, who's on the line. Hi, Matt. This is Bill Murphy calling. Hi, Bill. How you doing? Good. How are you? Good. Good. Um, I just wanted to comment. I, I, I understand Red's on the show. I've been listening um, to the person who you, you just read the Facebook uh, comment from. One thing I'd strongly suggest, and I strongly suggest to all New Hampshire patients who are being tapered aggressively or, or refused uh, pain medication, is to file complaints with the Board of Medicine. Uh, because we do have the new law on the books today in New Hampshire, and the Board of Medicine opioid prescribing rule has been updated to reflect that new law. Uh, but still too many patients are reluctant, and I understand their reluctancy, but they're reluctant to go to the step of filing a complaint. Mm -hmm. Therefore, the law is not really being tested to this point. Okay, and the, the new law went into effect today? No, the new law was signed uh, by the governor. Um, this is the one that Jenny uh, testified on behalf of. Oh, yes, yes. Jenny's bill, do you remember? Yes, yes, yes. Yes. Okay, yeah. right. So, so the so the MME link language in New Hampshire has been stricken from the opioid prescribing yep. rule. Yep. Okay. Yep, and it actually even goes a little further. It, it insists that medical providers treat their patients with dignity. Yeah. No, that's people yes. who have chronic conditions that you know, there's no cure. Yeah. There's no cure. There's no end zone for this, and I don't. I, it's like somehow that gets lost in translation. Yep. Yep. Through all of this. Well, sounds like a, a, a little bit of progress, so that's oh, yeah. that's a good thing. But it, yeah. that's we need the rest thing. of the country. Yeah. <laughs> so let's add a couple and more if I might. progress. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Red. No, to, to the caller. Please continue. Let, continue your thought, please. Absolutely. Uh, Red, I was just going to mention that I, I know you're talking about the new guidelines that came out, and um, I'm seeing a lot of initial reactions to them uh, that are positive because in the recommendation itself, they did not mention an MME threshold. But of I course, your in the um, supporting documentation, they did. And so the, my uh, concern and the concern of many the, is that that's where the focus will be placed, is yeah, on the, well, here's the MME here, here, now. Yeah, here, let's, uh, let's add a little in information then. The 50 MMED threshold is mentioned 25 times in that document wow and it is mentioned in the context of cautioning physicians that they must be very careful to exceed when they decide to exceed that threshold now now be very careful is another way of saying we're going to get you mm -hmm. understand yeah, that it's like, this a, is, it's like a backhanded if, you know what right. I mean? It's like backhanded. That's right. Now, the other thing that is really fascinating here is that this document is 220 pages long. It has 12 recommendations in it. Seven of those recommendations are backed by medical evidence that is assessed as weak. And yet, seven of the 12 also involve what's called a Category A recommendation that essentially says this should apply to every doctor and every patient because there's enough evidence here, even though it's a little weak around the edges, 
that we believe that the preponderance of um, medical opinion is to the effect of that recommendation, whatever it is, and there's 12 of them. So what we've really got is the CDC talking out of both sides of its mouth. Yeah. And more, imp more fundamental on this, the five writers of this document between them have never treated a chronic pain patient in practice. Wow. <laughs> I feel like we're just collateral damage. Let me just, that, uh, 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 I'm sorry, Red, let me just, uh, Bill, did you have anything to uh, add before you go? Uh, no, I just wanted to okay. mention in support of what Red just uh, explained relative to the 90 MME. Imagine your new bathroom, a sparkling new tub, a modern shower conversion, a seamless new wall, all done in as little as a day. Introducing Bathfitter. Join over 2 million customers delighted with our one-of-a-kind remodeling process. No demolition, no mess. Guaranteed for life. Installed in as little as a day. Book a free in-home consultation at bathfitterpodcasts.com and get our best offer of the year right now. Bathfitter, 35 years of better bath remodels. They said lowering drug prices was a fight we couldn't win. The big drug companies have billions of dollars and an army of lobbyists. But AARP stood with our 38 million members and forced the drug companies to lower drug prices. It's a victory for all Americans. But Big Pharma won't give up, so neither will AARP. Join our fight at aarp.org slash fierce defender. That's aarp.org slash fierce defender. Uh, the, the language actually says they, they must carefully justify a decision to titrate dosage to greater than 90 MME. So the word justify is in there, which to oh. a doctor is a very intimidating statement. Uh, yeah, no doubt. I, I, can, uh, I can see that. All right. All right. Very good. All right, uh, Bill, thank you for the call. Take care. All right. You got it. Bye-bye. All right. Uh, go ahead, Red. I, I just wanted to uh, let uh, uh, Bill... Uh, finish up so we could open up the line 603-250-6007 if you'd like to call in on the subject but uh red uh go ahead i didn't mean to interrupt okay. your uh thought no not not at all i mean you're gonna have to do that i'm afraid <laughs> I'm, a of, I'm a bit of a motor mouth here sometimes <laughs> so let, let's let's also indicate some measures of hope for the people who are hanging on by their fingernails mm. um a superior court judge in orange county california throughout a suit mounted by several county prosecutors against four uh, pharmaceutical companies in California on grounds that the plaintiffs, that is to say the prosecutors, had failed to demonstrate that the prescription of opioids and their use in general practice was in any sense a public nuisance. Now, public nuisance law is, is sort of um, complicated, but what it basically amounts to is that the prosecutors were claiming that just because the uh, opioid, the pharmaceutical companies had promoted the use of opioids in the control of pain, they had de facto created a, um, a cause of the opioid crisis. <laughs> And the judge in, in uh, Orange County found no such effect. There's a very good good article on this in Reason Magazine. I believe it's by, by Jacob Solom. Now, another case, and this one was on appeal. A The Superior Court of the state of, I think it was Oklahoma. It was either Oklahoma or Kentucky, but I, it's one of the two. 
basically overturned a finding in favor of the state prosecutors against Johnson and Johnson and I think two other uh, pharma companies on the same basis that there is no public nuisance that can be prosecuted. Now, when you look at this carefully, the big settlements that were recently announced against Purdue Pharma and others were pursued on the same basis of public nuisance and an assumption, and just an assumption now, that the additional prescribing of opioids that began in the uh, early years of the 20th of the century in the 2000 to, to 2010 period was in and of itself responsible for the increase in opioid deaths during that period. We now know, apart from these settlements, that that isn't true, and it never was true. Mm-hmm. That's a we frustrating. Also know, That's a sorry. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Um, I just wanted to ask you. Well, not ask, but make a statement, if you will. It. That's something that really frustrates me. Is every when we talk about the subject, we can't not talk about the fact that the government. In in every way possible, has blamed chronic pain patients for the illicit fentanyl overdosing crisis in our streets. They blame pain patients and insinuate mm-hmm. that we sell our medications when we're rationing them to ourselves. I've rationed my medication. I sure as heck have never wanted to share medication with somebody, but I've right. rationed it, as a lot of people do. I have a friend who's a diabetic and rations their insulin because of how. Exp- how many vials they need and how expensive it is. It, you know, it, it's, it's just, it's infuriating that, that that keeps coming up and it's pain yep. patients that get blamed for this when it, it's not us. It's illicit fentanyl coming in across our borders that are killing people in the streets. Right. The, um, there's a reality here and I may have mentioned it uh, two years ago when we last talked among people who die of an opioid overdose. Uh, one state in particular is kind of fascinating in that regard, and it's the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. They did a study on all of the deaths that were associated with uh, opioids, either prescription or non-prescription, in 2013 to 14. And they reported the outcomes, and, and they have a, a relatively strong prescription drug monitoring program. So they traced all of these patients back to find out how many of them had current prescriptions. Only 8% of those patients had a prescription for an opioid and of that eight percent fewer than a third had a current prescription but the average number of toxic substances that were found in their blood tox screens was six including opioids we do not have a prescription opioid crisis the similar findings I might add have been found, have been generated in other places. We don't have a prescription opioid crisis. We never did have a prescription opioid crisis. We had at one time a, a, a quite a bit of diversion of opioids through um, pill mills, and before 2010, there was enough of that that there was pro- there were probably deaths that could be traced to uncontrolled prescribing by greedy doctors and pharmacists in a few states. But you want a really fascinating statistics? There are in there are only I see there are nine or eleven states in which anti pill mill laws have been passed and are being enforced. Nine or eleven of them. 
Well, that says to, to, to you and me that the rest of these states probably don't have pill mills. Well, maybe so and maybe no. We don't know why the legislators didn't get around to that because that was the proposals for laws to close the pill mills were pretty much general. When you look at the data overall on a U.S. state by U.S. state basis, there was a weak relationship, and I mean I emphasize weak relationship, between rates of prescribing in the states that did have a lot of pill mills and rates of opioid overdose-related deaths. But that was only up until about 2010 to 2011. After 2010 to 2011, the um, the strictures and the stigma and the the uh, promotional efforts by the anti-opioid crazies started to take effect. And PDMPs were put in place and a lot of people got out of the pill mill business because their, their actions were beginning to be traced. Mm -hmm. What we find after 2010 is that prescribing now in this year is about 40% lower per capita than it was in 2010 to 2012. And the number of deaths due to opioid overdose, opioid-related overdose of all kinds, legal and illegal, has exploded. In fact, it has doubled. Okay. Now, add to that. When you look at a state-by-state -state basis, you find out that the states that still have higher than national average prescribing rates of appropriately controlled prescription opioids, they have lower opioid overdose rates. You can't explain that kind of contradiction by any model right. that assigns cause and effect to opioids that are prescribed to medical patients. It does not compute. Right, right. Um, by the way, there's a comment in the chat room, uh, Candy Can Do says, uh, yeah, but now it's the government that ca that's caused pain patients to have been cut, dropped to the streets, to illegal street drugs that caused them to become addicted, mix substances, overdose, and die. So now it's the government's fault. Overdoses and deaths have skyrocketed in the, pa in the past five or six years. That, by the way, that and that reminds me, uh, veterans, you, you hear that. You hear about that a lot with veterans who, um, you know, the VA cuts them off of uh, pain medication that they need and they end up, uh, you know, going and purchasing heroin or, or, or something and end up overdosing. It's a, a story that I've heard many times. Yeah, and I, I hear it too. And as a matter of fact, I have uh, co-authored papers that have been published in legitimate journals with a gentleman who I won't name right now because I, I don't want his bosses to fire him. <laughs> but he works in a Veterans Administration treatment center and what he has told me is that the VA has communicated as policy that no VA physician will treat any patient with opioids, period. Wow. That is generalized to their system, and it is probably hmm. responsible for at least hundreds of veteran deaths because it's driving veterans into suicide. Yeah. So it, one fellow that I know of shot himself in a VA hospital parking lot. Parking lot. Yes, I, remember. I remember that story. Yep. I remember that. Yep, absolutely. Oh my gosh. Something and, I, don't and I, might, I don't understand, Red. Is it my, am I wrong or does it seem like nobody wants to use like the McGill pain scale? You know, no. something that's based in science that says, okay, here's how we look at pain or here's how we can 
kind of gauge pain. Why does it seem like it's just, it's, it's for not, it's not used. Okay. I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb just a little bit here. The McGill pain questionnaire is complicated. To administer it, you're going to have to have somebody proctor an exam or a test that runs probably 20 to 30 minutes. You can't get insurance recovery for doing that. You can't Mm. bill the time for doing that. So doctors instead use what's called the visual analog scale, which is a scale of 1 to 10 that says, you know, on a scale of 1 to 10, and they describe what each level basically means – 10 is pain that is so unimaginable that you can't stand it. And one is, I kind of have a a vague ache somewhere. They use that scale because they can do that in two minutes to characterize the pain of of a patient. And many doctors are not trained, especially general practitioners, are not trained to interpret the results of the McGill pain questionnaire. So what you've got is... Medicine has been so dumbed down, and there are so few doctors who pre- who prescribe and who actually are actively trained in pain in pain medicine that the ones that are there basically are avoiding anything that's too complicated. And by the way, very few doctors are ever trained in statistics, so they don't know whether what they're doing you know really reflects some you know, weight of evidence. They don't know when they encounter something that that is an outright lie based on the numbers. You know the old phrase, statistics lie and lie and, or excuse me, numbers lie and and liars. Liars use numbers. Numbers? Yeah. (laughs) Use numbers, right. That's it. I've heard a couple, I've heard a couple different variations of it, but. Yeah, well, the bottom line here, the bottom line here is most doctors are not aware of the use of statistics. So when somebody goes out and writes a paper that deliberately misuses the statistics, they don't know and they don't recognize what's being done in those papers. And I might add that one of the premier organizations in U.S. healthcare has published papers that do exactly that, and that is the Agency for Healthcare Research and Quality, so-called. They have published studies that deliberately manipulate the statistics to tell a lie about chronic pain or acute pain or non-drug uh, interventions for pain. There are five of these things that are right in the in the heart of the present CDC guidelines, and all five are scientifically wrong. I've read them, and they misuse statistics grossly. And they have refused my letters and the letters of other people to the acting director, which basically says, guys, you messed up. You messed up, and here's why, and, here, and here's the reason for it. And, they, and what we got back is boilerplate letters that basically say, well, this was put in front of a peer review group, and they're professionals, and you're not. Go away if you want to read between the lines. They don't ever approach the issues on their merits, to do that, they would have to admit they're dead wrong. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, you know, as far as I'm concerned, the head or acting head, it may be right now, of the of AHRQ should be f- summarily fired and banned from ever practicing in public health again. And the, and the, uh, the five writers of the CDC guidelines uh, and of, of the update to the guidelines are very much in the same position. May I add one other note with a by name um, – 
the just because deal. Hey, oh, what's this? Breakfast from Mickey D's. From me? Yep. Why? Because it's morning and you like McDonald's. Let's eat while it's hot. There's a deal for every act of kindness at McDonald's. The steak, egg, and cheese bagel is back at McDonald's. Order ahead on the app and pick up curbside. Price and participation may vary. McD app download and registration required. Issue. Sure. Uh, here. I don't sure. want to get you guys in trouble, so if I, if, if I need to keep this general, I will. You okay? Yeah, we're... we're no, uh, we're good. Yeah, we're not, we're not worried. Okay. <laughs> well, you know, I, I, I have to ask. So, Matt, one of the things that's kind of fascinating here, and this is, interestingly enough, not my work. It's the work of a gentleman by the name of Chad Collis, who is an MD and an award-winning MD, I might add. He works in palliative care and in, in senior care. And a Ph.D. lady by the name of, of Terry um, Lewis and two others, they did a paper in a very respected blog in palliative medicine. And in that paper, they looked at the standards that CDC is supposed to use when they select consultants. And they're supposed to use those standards to avoid conflicts of interest. It turns out that one of the five writers of the CDC guidelines and of the update to the guidelines failed on the basis of both professional and financial conflict of interest to meet those criteria that CDC had documented. And he not only failed to meet them, the guy was allowed to write some of the AHRQ uh, reports that went into the original guidelines. He was allowed to write parts of the original guidelines. He was uh, brought in as a member of the Board of Scientific Counselors for the National Center for Injury Prevention and Control. He was nominated to the opioid work group of that body and contributed to the report of the work group. And in other words, he was placed in a position not only to write national policy for opioid management, but to lobby for his own positions on that policy. Mm. This man not only needs to be fired, he needs to be run out of public health and banned from further participation in it. Yeah. It's sad That's that my we're, view. It's sad That's that a it's... personal opinion. Hmm? Sorry? Oh, no, no, of course. It's sad that it's 2022 and we're still dealing with the repercussions of the crap that they called a good paper, I guess, in 2016, that we're still dealing with that. I mean, for me, that one of the girls that was in my pain group, um, live fed a, a, a video of herself saying goodbye to all of us and then sat in her car and proceeded to take her own life after she was told that she could no longer be given any pain medications. And I, that's part of this. I think that people don't realize is that people just get cut off. They just get, you know, well, yep. I'm not going to talk to you. I'm not going to treat you anymore. Um, you're yep. not responding well enough or what have you. And they just literally kick them out of the practice. They fire them from the practice. And interestingly, now let's, let's be sure we get this straight. Not only does that happen, but the FDA has issued a safety warning to all doctors that termination of a patient uh, 
or rapid tapering of the same patient who has been using opioid, who has been prescribed opioids for a prolonged period, significantly raises the risk of medical crisis and suicidal ideation and should not be done, period, especially rapid tapering, yeah. without replacement and appropriate treatment of pain by other means. Now, that's FDA. That's the Food and, the food and Drug Administration people. Mm-hmm. The other thing that is very clear is we now have definitive reports, and Josh Bloom at the American Council for Science and Health has done a lot of writing on this subject. We have definitive reports that tell us that when a patient is involuntarily tapered, their chance of um, going into a medical crisis or overdosing on some kind of an opioid rises enough to be highly noticeable. We also know that there is an overlap between people who are are diagnosed with uh, substance use disorder and people who have chronic pain. And the overlap is like 60%. So a lot of people who are diagnosed with substance use disorder, and we remember now, we don't know exactly where where they started. Right. It probably wasn't with medical opioids. But a lot of people who take opioids that are not taken as directed and who are at risk of overdose are people who have chronic pain of some kind and haven't been able to get treatment. So it's a two-way kind of overlap. But the one thing we have to say absolutely clearly and definitively is proven. This is something that the CDC needs to eat. We now know that overprescribing did not cause and is not sustaining the opioid epidemic in this country. Right. It never did. And we have the data to prove it. Yeah. Let me give you a little of that data when you're ready. Please go on. So uh, Bill Murphy uh, posted this in the chat room. Speaking of data, um, it says uh, regarding drug overdose death data here in New Hampshire, Reported by the state medical examiner and based on actual toxicology data, overdose deaths directly attributed to the use of prescription opioids only was less than 7.6%. Of that percent, in speaking with the medical examiner, the belief is that none of those deaths, the 7.6% prescription-only deaths, were legal use of prescription pain medication by those the medication was prescribed to. So the 7.6% is use of prescription pain meds by those to whom the prescription was not written uh, for the calendar year 2020. Interestingly enough, those numbers are very close to the same numbers that were generated by a team from uh, Las Vegas News Now Radio and uh, George Knapp, he is the, the reporter on this, They went in and they investigated the county coroner's and county medical examiner's reports for a full year. They got very similar outcomes because the toxicology that's that's done on these things, and basically that's measurement of blood factors one way or the other to find out what was there when somebody kicked off. Mm -hmm. They they indicated that uh, the great, great majority of patients that overdosed or of people who overdosed did not have a current prescription and did not have, or if they had a a prescription opioid in their blood, they had a whole lot of other stuff that wasn't prescription and wasn't even legal. Yeah. So, 
I think we're the no, easy a- scapegoat. We're just an easy scapegoat. It, That's right. They they say over prescribing to us and we're selling our meds and which is so ridiculous. You know, again, I'll say, I don't know anybody who's got a serious disorder like this that sells their meds. They, they ration them to themselves. Gee, I can go another couple of hours before I have to take something. You know, they, they certainly don't sell them. Right. So I hear you. I really do. And I agree with you. Uh, I'd like to elaborate this, if I might. Well, there's, a, there's a statistic that I use fairly regularly. As a matter of fact, for your for your um, for your your listeners, I would offer a resource. You can do this through Google, and it's really, really, really easy. I did a little paper a few years ago, and the subject of of it was the opioid crisis in three charts. Now, this is a simple way of looking at the data for very simple minds. Unfortunately, none of those minds so far in the CDC have (laughs) have looked at it that I can tell. But what we know is that opioids are prescribed for seniors over the age of 62 between two and three times more often than they are for youth under the age of 19. And in seniors, seniors have the lowest rate of opioid-involved overdose deaths of any cohort of patients in the U.S. And in fact, a, the youth have rates of overdose-related mortality that are two to three times higher than seniors. When you look at huh. that, again, we're right back in the mode of saying the numbers don't support the narrative. Yeah. They just flat don't. When you put the, if, if you plot two numbers on a common set, of, on, on a simple chart, if the vertical axis is the um, the rate of opioid-related overdose deaths, and if the horizontal chart is the rate of prescribing opioids of all kinds under, you know, regulated uh, prescription-type drugs, uh, is on the on the uh, the horizontal axis, and you do one point for each U.S. state. What you get is a splatter pattern that is so dispersed that you can't even tell what the trends are. Except that if you run a simple line through this cluster of dots, it drops as overdose prescribing rates increase. It drops. There's a whole lot of splatter around that trend, mm-hmm. but the reality is there's no real connection between the rate of prescribing and the rate of over- overdose-related deaths. The CDC has been lying through its teeth, and they know they've been lying, and they continue to, f- to defend their position as if they were telling the truth. They're not. Yeah. I think, um, I think you know, Jenny mentioned, you know, patients being uh, – being an easy scapegoat and all this. And I think, you know, not only patients, but as, as we've discussed too, doctors, you know, you, you always hear all oh, these, all of these, these terrible doctors are all over prescribing. And, um, you know, my, my, uh, belief is that what, what, what has happened here is that, uh, you know, it, it just works for, it, it works very well for politicians and for the media, this quote unquote opioid crisis. Um, politicians, uh, very often, uh, have made laws, uh, limiting uh, what doctors can prescribe and putting uh, putting terrible fear into doctors and 
And uh, that has caused, you know, as, as Jenny has pointed out, uh, suicides of, of uh, pain patients who are suddenly cut off. And um, but it looks uh, but but, you know, the media is complicit in that by constantly pushing the quote unquote opioid crisis. And yep. uh, and, and what ends up happening is um, it, it looks really good in a campaign ad. You know, when so-and-so yep. is running for election or, or I should say when they're running for re-election and, you know, oh, look what I look what I did about the about the opioid crisis. Oh, I helped make this law vote for me. Um, it, it just it's it's uh, it's a scam, but it's a very effective scam. And it's and it's lazy. You know, you, you have you have politicians who probably in many cases, some of them, I think, are, are probably savvy enough to realize what they're doing is is dishonest and harmful, but, uh, but it's, you know, it's about getting power and holding on to power. And you have a media, uh, that is complicit in aiding that and, and is too lazy to, uh, to, to, you know, delve into the truth. Uh, we have a call. Let's, uh, we'll grab this. Hi, welcome to Matt Connerton Unleashed. Who's on the line? Am Hello? I on? Yes. You're live. Uh, Amba. Amba. How are you, Amba? Yes. Um, I just had an appointment with my doctor on Tuesday, and it um, didn't go well. See, what had happened is I learned a truth. On accident in December, they didn't have my right prescription of my low-dose 5 milligram oxycodone that I've been on for 17 years responsibly. They had 10 milligrams. And because, like she says, you have to be responsible and be your own pharmacist and make your own whatever the bottle says, you can't follow it because you won't have enough. So you ration, mm-hmm. but I go five days through detox every month because mm. I don't have enough. And I'm in CKD now. And What's that? So they give me these 10 milligram pills, and of course I'm like half asleep when my husband brings them in. And I usually take two five, so I take two ten. Whoa! <laughs> and I'm like, oh my god, was I cured overnight? What happened? And then I read the bottle. Mm. So I go to my doctor with this fact, and they say to me, even though the rules of the office of something I sign every year and abide by, never failed a test, never did anything wrong. They said lowering drug prices was a fight we couldn't win. The big drug companies have billions of dollars and an army of lobbyists. But AARP stood with our 38 million members and forced the drug companies to lower drug prices. It's a victory for all Americans. But Big Pharma won't give up, so neither will AARP. Join our fight at aarp.org slash fierce defender. That's aarp.org slash fierce defender. The just because deal. Hey, oh, what's this? Breakfast from Mickey D's. From me? Yep. Why? Because it's morning and you like McDonald's. Let's eat while it's hot. There's a deal for every act of kindness at McDonald's. The steak, egg, and cheese bagel is back at McDonald's. Order ahead on the app and pick up curbside. Price and participation may vary. McD app download and registration required. Was and I got it on tape, was if you can get them somewhere else, you should. But the conferences I go to, they don't work anymore. But if you can get them somewhere else, you should. So what is it? Do opioids not work anymore? Or only if you write them, they don't work? Interesting. 
I think Can this I... is what happens at the conferences. Yeah, that's this part is what of they what say. They say sure. 10 words. I've got 22 more payments on my Mercedes. I don't want to go to jail. I love my kids. I love my dog. We all love our families. We have to make a choice. Everybody agrees. They pound the gavel, and they go out for drinks. Mm. Okay. Can these we, uh, he's a very important person. We're in the top 2%. No drugs are being sold. I have Fendi purses. Well, let's, uh, Amber, you let's. for a very important place that I can't name. Yeah. Let, uh, let's, Amber, let, uh, Red, let's let uh, Red respond to that. Go ahead, Red. Yeah. Amber, we, I hear the, the same story from patients just like you literally every week, every week to every month. The yeah. forums that I touch in the public work that I do are probably going to involve something on the order of 200,000 impressions every day, which means somebody reads either my stuff or something else that's in, the, in those uh, forums. The bottom line to this is that doctors are so terrorized by prosecution and, and persecution. And I got her admitting that on tape. Yeah, and you basically have it. you have a basis for filing a complaint against her with the state medical board. Whether well, the I medical board is going to help you is a different issue. Actually. I'm sorry. Well, I, didn't catch... I had surgery at a very famous institute in 2018, and I have a bleeding disorder. I'm not allowed to have any NSAIDs, but because all they saw was I was a chronic pain patient. Um, they decided when I woke up from surgery from a 10-inch incision from a bladder removal where we discussed before that surgery, the anesthesiologists were all around me. We all agreed my pain choice was an epidural. I never got that epidural. When I woke up, I said, could you please turn up my epidural? And they said, honey, you don't have one. And I said, I I'm in pain. They offered me Toradol. And then when I said, I can't have that, please Please check my file. It will kill me. I will bleed to death. I've bled out almost five times. And they wouldn't look in my file. They, were, they wouldn't close my curtain so I could cry privately. They wouldn't let my husband back. They kept giving me blood pressure medication and heart medication because my heart rate was 200. And my blood pressure, I don't even know what it was. But they said, we can't let your husband see you like this. Yeah, you can't let anybody see me like this. So they take that needle of Toradol. You know that tray table that... They put juice on and stuff. They set that on a tray table, moved it to the end of my bed, and said, tell us when you've had enough. Wow. Like an oh animal. Oh, my God. Are you and they okay. broke so, it, and I took it over and over and over again. Amber, Amber, Until come I on. almost committed suicide Slow in their it. hospital on a drug that they gave me, and then I have 10 doctors in the morning apologizing to me. So, Amber, let's slow down just a little bit because we've got a we've got an audience here that we need to to address, and I'm uh, almost at the end of my available time. I'm sorry. First I of all, take a first of all, I have a lot of stuff to fill in because yeah, well, I'm a CKD, and I'm probably going to die. And I pass this disease down to my daughter. I am not fighting for myself. Medical marijuana works for her now, but she just had a surgery, okay. and she said, "Mom, you are right. If I didn't have those opioids, I would have killed myself." Wow. Okay. She's Amber, 23. I am Amber, not I, fighting for myself. It's I, over we hear you. Yeah, I, Amber, I okay we it. hear you. Amber, mom. I hear you. I'm a mom, too. I hear you. I really hear you. I and have this is, to fight for I, her. Absolutely. Let us, let's, let, let, let's let Red talk and tell, tell us some, some things that we can do as, as moms and as patients, what we can do to help ourselves, okay? 
Let's give we him a shot and see what anything. he's got. This is an extermination. Well, let, we let, can't do anything. Let, let Red... It's an extermination of people they don't need. You have my heart. You you absolutely have you have every listener's heart right now. We all are, are hearing you, and we're not going to let your voice be for naught. I'm going to... You're heard. You guys have to talk, because it's more important than what I have to say, because you guys are going to have to keep going when I can't. Well, we'll... So I'm going to let you go. Oh, okay, thank you so much for the call. We, we do appreciate it. Thank you. Bye-bye. I hear this level of anguish every week. And although this is not an adequate response to the anguish, it is a response, and it's one that I, I strongly encourage. The CDC has released a proposed outline, excuse me, a proposed revision to its its uh, prescribing policies and to, to the uh, opioid guidelines that they did in t- 2016. They, this is a, this document is out for review now. It's much too long and too large and too complicated for most patients to um, to read and parse through. But I've been doing this kind of thing for years, and I'm working with a circle of other medical practitioners of medical practitioners, people who really have a right to have an opinion, and we're giving this document a hard a hard to scrub. We're going to publish a listing of the many errors and misdirections and lies in that document. We're going to publish it and we want it pushed to as many doctors as we can reach. And we're also going to submit it to the Federal Register. But you yourself can, um, you can actually register a comment in the Federal Register on these guidelines that communicates your own lived experience that basically says, I am a chronic pain patient. I have been mistreated in this way because of the guideline that you um, have published in 2016. My doctor has been under threat because of that guideline. I want you to trash that document entirely and start the hell over. Because what you're saying now is, is a pack of lies. And you can basically, you can do that. And if you care to, once you've seen what I have to, to offer here, uh, you can write them in your, with your own lived experience and you can just include the line, uh, I wish to endorse the comments offered separately by Dr. Richard A. Lawhorn. Now, the way you can do that, a way that you can kind of sort that out and figure out where to submit your, your comments and such, is you can set yourself up with a Facebook account and you can look up Red Lawhern on Facebook. My page there has almost 5,000 subscribers and it's public. You can read it without ever joining me as one of my Facebook friends. I publish practically every week, I publish information that is of deep concern to chronic pain patients. Uh, if you were one of my of my Facebook friends, or for that for that matter, possibly even if you weren't, you can also um, send me a private message, a PM, and let me know who you are. Or you can you can simply uh, send me a note at one of my email gateways and become one of the people that I put on distribution when I send out notices of of recent uh, events. I am on hot. I'm on Hotmail, 
my last name is spelled L-A-W-H-E-R-N at hotmail.com. And if you send me a note that says, hi, I heard you on Matt Connerton, or hi, I'm a chronic pain patient, I want to join your distribution list, I can be sure that you are made, uh, that you're publicly, excuse me, not publicly, but privately added to my mailing lists. For whatever that's worth also, I do not publish the names of people who subscribe to my mailing lists. Yeah. I just don't do it without their permission. So you don't have to worry about being red flagged by somebody who comes after you because of something you say to me. Yeah. I'm also at five o'clock and a little after, and I'm probably about out of my time. Is there anything I can do by way help of helping you wrap up this segment? It, um, I would just say, uh, Red, is if, if there's anything else that you want us to know or, or anything that anything that you wanted to add, I mean, you, you're, you're pretty thorough with all the, the contact information and everything, and, and I, I do want to say thank you so much for this, but um, is, is there any anything else that you wanted to make sure you mentioned before you go? Yeah, I will. I mentioned earlier, if you, if you do a Google search on the phrase, the Lawhern Files, it will bring up my archive of published work. If you find something in that published work, you can share it with your own doctor. You can either print it out or refer them to it. Mm. Uh, and you have access to 25 years of my work and to the work of other doctors who have published with me on several of those articles. So without ever actually, you know, making any step that, that reveals your identity, by reading through that, that, that information, you can help to arm yourself to oppose the lies and to demand that your doctor impo- uh, oppose the lies and do it for you in a a publicly visible way. I'm trying to gather people uh, as endorsers for the the public repudiation of the CDC guidelines and their update and the demand that those guidelines be trashed, burned to the ground and done over by a group that includes patients and patient advocates. I've dropped a link in the um, chat room to the Lawhorn files. If people wanna click that link, they can go directly there. Um, one one question I had for you was, I know that you're just starting to go through the new CDC um, guides and it, there's like 200 and some odd pages. And I think you had told me you were like at page 16. When you've had chance to, to dissect this or digest it, can you come back and teach all of us what this new CDC guideline is saying? Yes, and I will be happy to do that. I'm about halfway through the process now, and I'm hopeful that I can I can generate my own comments and probably com- a separate comments with a couple of doctor friends of mine, probably within two weeks. And I would say let's let's talk about getting together on the program again uh, sometime after March the seventh because I have a couple of, of conflicts in that regard. But we can we can do this before comments are due on those guidelines excellent excellent thank you yeah we definitely need to uh need to do this more more often red and and uh you know we're so grateful for the work that you do absolutely and uh thank you again you know we'll yeah we'll be in touch we'll make that happen and thank you again for joining us today this has been phenomenal we really appreciate it you're very welcome and i'm gonna keep on trucking all right my friend one of my heroes (laughs) (laughs) all right red thank you so much take care you're very welcome. All right, bye bye. All right, that was. Uh, he's amazing. He's Lawhorn. really amazing. Absolutely. He's he's legit one of my heroes. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. We'll take a break in a moment, but then when we come back, I do want to get to some of these Facebook comments. And uh, Glenn R. J. Willett, who is very quiet. How are you, Glenn? 
I'm fine. Yes, yes. Well, you know, you were free to, to jump in on anything you wanted, but I uh, but that. but I know that you were you were listening and taking it all in. I don't mm -hmm. know if you, I mean I know you've had have you do you have any chronic pain or or I know you've had some issues, but in, you know and and you I walk, do you and, walk and, with a and, cane. But. And uh, I I'm not on opiates, but I am on a medication that allows me to walk. Yeah, and it's supposed to be six pills, like little pills that I take on a, a Sunday once a week. Yeah, and it works for the week. To have that medication, I have to take another medication to keep my liver safe. Yeah. Today, it's it's a different story when it comes to meds. But what I'm trying to say is I also ration my meds because I cannot afford them. I hear you. I hear you. I'm, I'm not personally on opioids myself. I'm on actually an experimental treatment. Um, but I have a medication that helps with my vision. But I found out the, I found out. I guess maybe not the hard way because I found out and I've, I've recently changed my behaviors. It's, it, and it's, it's, it's that when I don't take the medication appropriately, I'm actually risking myself because it affects more than just my eyes. It affects my brain. It affects the muscles in your body, which your heart is a nice big muscle. So I, I learned that that was a really bad thing for me to do. And I, I hope, I hope I you're not you. doing anything harmful. I hear you. There, 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 there are, if, if I'm restricted on lifting, and when work requires it and there's nobody there to help me, I just do it. Uh, I'm very careful because that week I need to take the meds. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. It I affects hear you. my lower back. I hear you. Uh, Candy Can Do in the uh, chat room says, uh, Red is awesome. Thank you so much, Red and Matt and Jenny. Um, he knows his stuff. Yeah, absolutely. He's, he's a wealth of information and where his specialty is researching. And mm -hmm. I mean, like that's, he's got his degree in, in being able to do this stuff. He's been able to boil things down to a more understandable level for, for me personally. And just, he's got a great way of just explaining things that you don't have to be a scientist to get it. You can kind of get an understanding, but he, the more importantly, he's an advocate that raises a lot of awareness to try and get us to stand up for ourselves. We have to be willing to do like he said, and to go in there and make comments on these things and, and register. And, you know, if you if you believe in his research, then, yes, absolutely endorse what he's sending them to. Because mm -hmm. they're not going to listen to us if we're too quiet. And that's unfortunately yeah. how we are because we're such a small amount of the populace. Very true. Ashley Rogers in the chat says, Red is our hero. Absolutely. All right, let's do this. Let's uh, take a quick break. I'm going to play a little something and then show some love to our amazing sponsors. And then we will be back with our number two numero dose of Matt Connerton Unleashed. I, a lot of uh, Facebook Live uh, comments that we didn't get to. I want to look at some of those, although not necessarily all of them. It's <laughs> so, so a couple things in there I might not read on the air, but anyway. <laughs> what choice are you uh, What choice are you playing for your song? Shame on you. I'm going to play. Uh, well, so, uh, well, I get a lot of compliments on this whenever I play it. It's Common. Mm -hmm. uh, with uh, featuring Black Thought, uh, When We Move, uh, the radio edit, of course. I've been uh, trying to play songs uh, for, you know, it's Black History Month. Yeah, so, it is. It is. So I've been, uh, been playing a lot of hip-hop. Very good. Yes, yes. All right, so we will uh, we'll do that, and then we'll be back. More to come. Don't go away.
Welcome back, everybody. We are well in hour number two, numero dos of Matt Connerton Unleashed. And we are live from the studios of WMNH 95.3 FM in glorious downtown Manchester, New Hampshire. Also on Comcast 97 if you're in Manchester. And hello to all of our online listeners across the nation and around the globe. And uh, you can go to my website, mattconnerton.com, for all of your live streaming options, social media links, contact info, show archives, etc., etc. Today is Monday, February 14, Valentine's Day. 2022. I do want to remind you, of course, that we are sponsored by the Hopknot on Elm. They've got the delicious gourmet pretzels. They've got craft beer. They've got trivia night on Thursday nights. All kinds of great stuff. Don't go there today. Monday and Tuesday is their weekend, but they are open Wednesday through Sunday. And one week from today, Kenny from the Hopknot will be here with us live in studio. It's been a long time since we've hung out with Kenny on the show. You know, but the Hopknot is a black-owned business, and I was telling him, I, I really want to get you in uh, before Black History Month is over. So uh, he loved the idea. So he will be joining us next Monday right here on the show. Uh, Jenny is here at the news desk. I am present. And Glenn R.J. Willett, the people's mayor, is on the couch. But he's not talking to us. But I'm not what do you mean I'm not talking there to you? There he is. Hello. Not, wake up, Glenn. You're <laughs> nodding your head at me. People can't hear you nod. <laughs> I'm on the couch, but I'm not sleeping. You falling asleep over there, buddy? <laughs> no, I'm not. All right. Good. All right. Well, well, good. Need some coffee. Uh, if you'd like to join us today, 603-250-6007 is the number. 603-250-6007. You can also text me at 617-917-4476. Tweet me at Matt Connerton or send an email to matt at mattconnerton.com. And of course, you can interact and opine in the Facebook live chat. But the best thing to do so that we can hear and enjoy your dulcet tones is to give us a call at 603-250-6007. I do want to take a look at the uh, Facebook live chat. A lot of great uh, and interesting comments and insights in the chat room uh, during our last segment. We were joined uh, during the first hour, and he stayed a few extra minutes. He was very generous with his time, which we always appreciate. Uh, uh, pain uh, advocate, uh, uh, pain patient advocate, I should say. He's uh, not pain advocate. <laughs> Nobody be, wants to give you pain, that'd be a good name. That'd be a good name for a band. Uh, Actually, no. yeah, that would, wouldn't uh, it? A, a pain patient advocate, Red Lawhorn, uh, was with us and always uh, a great uh, conversation. And um, so we really enjoyed that a lot. And, you know, we'll, of course, that'll be up in just a little bit after the show, of course. It'll be available online for on-demand uh, listening. And, of course, people can watch it on the Facebook. But um, but a lot of people uh, commenting in the Facebook chat. Uh, Wayne Noel uh, in there, all the way from the great state of Michigan. Hello, Wayne. Also, Paulie C says, good afternoon, big fan. Paul Cormier. Uh, Paul, of course, the uh, host of Retro Spectrum Radio with Paulie C every Friday night from 7.30 to 10 p.m. And I have the honor and privilege of being one of Paul's co-hosts on that program, along with our friends uh, Dan Randlett and DJ Steve. Uh, Scott Robinson joins us in the chat and says, uh, the Hulu show Doped Up was a great miniseries on the subject, in my opinion. I don't know. Do you know anything about it? I actually have never seen it. I don't like the name. I'm uh, not crazy about the name either. Yeah, the name makes it sound like it's some of that, uh, quote yeah. on, you know, that opioid epidemic propaganda. People like to just, you know, oh yeah, people are just getting high. And that's not what happens. Pain patients still get high yeah. off their medication. Yeah. They get enough relief to maybe take a shower by themselves yeah. or or some other thing that they maybe can't do if the pain is not controlled. And for some people, it's so bad 
And no, cancer's not the worst pain in the world. There is a lot of things in this world that are horrific pain that if they're not controlled, yeah, it will literally make somebody go insane. And let me put it into a little perspective in the sense that when you're a pain patient like me or other people, uh, no matter what it is, if it's CRPS or RSD or, or sickle cell disease or anything like that, these are horrible diseases that hurt so much it never stops. You know, if a person gets tortured in prison, their torturer is going to take a break. He can't do it 24-7, right? He's going to go to the bathroom. He's going to eat. When you have a disease like this, the pain doesn't take a break. It doesn't take a bathroom break. Mm -hmm. It doesn't take a snooze break. It's 24-7. It's in your sleep. You're, I, I'm on medications to help me sleep so my body can rest because when I'm not awake, my body's still feeling what this disease has done to my body. And like I said, there's so much out there and nobody should ever be discounted or treated as if they're crazy because they're trying to have quality of life. We have a call. Hi, welcome to Matt Connerton Unleashed. Who's this? Oh, oh. wrong number. Uh, it's probably uh, <laughs> probably Mr. Krabs from uh, Nashville. Maybe, maybe. Uh, I will say that here in New Hampshire, for those listening, especially here in our home state, um, the Senate uh, in New Hampshire their health and human resources and forgive me i can't think of his name he's a, the the, ch the chair of that committee is a doctor himself and that's a very big reason why um bill murphy and other people were able to advocate for changing law in new hampshire to support pain patients was because we actually had a doctor listening and and reading the guidelines and when you look at a doctor and then you go you talk about the mcgill's pain scale for example they know what you're talking about mm -hmm. and we were lucky in that but we still have to keep advocating. We still have to keep speaking because it, we're not done yet. There's still so much work to do. Uh, Gonzo joins us in the Facebook live chat. Hello, Gonzo. Uh, also, Rocky Huber joins us. Rocky thought at, at first, I guess when he uh, when he heard Red's voice, he thought it was Billy Painter. Oh, geez. Our friend Billy Painter, also known as Bad Billy from Outlaw Radio. We love Billy. Uh, think, he's, he's from the great state of Idaho. I'm not positive, but I think that <clears throat> Dope Sick might have been the show that actually tried to say that ketamine infusion patients are, are going on a trip. Yeah, Ashley Rogers uh, brought up, uh, I think, uh, you know, because uh, Scott mentioned uh, a show called Doped Up. Ashley Rogers uh, in the chat mentioned Dope Sick and says it was a bunch of lies. Yeah, for, the, for those interested, I am on ketamine infusions, and they put me in sedation to do the infusion. No, I'm not going on a trip. They're doing everything they can to get me through it without puking my guts out. We have a call. Hi, welcome to Matt Connerton Unleashed. Who's this? Hi, Matt. This is Scott Robinson. I said dope, but dope sick. Oh, yeah, yeah. We so were just saying that, with, yeah. With Michael Keaton. I wasn't doped up. It was dope sick. It was had to do with Purdue Pharma lying about how addictive OxyContin is. Oh, it's about, That's what it had to do with. It's about OxyContin uh, specifically? Yes. How Purdue Pharma lied for many years about how it was not how it was not uh couldn't get addicted to it that's what the show was about i said dope up i meant dope oh, okay. okay okay gotcha there was a fire all right all right thank you scott that was like a five-part series on hulu it was very good okay all right well i'll, I'll check it out that was just a clarification i didn't mean what yeah yeah oh, okay no i appreciate it i appreciate it all right thank you scott uh, yeah have a good night you too bye-bye bye. It's horrible when shows also distort reality. There was that Ladders, 
Ladder 19, I think it was called. It was a fire department show. And one of the lead characters, I remember my community was all excited because CRPS, Complex Regional Pain Syndrome, was the disease they gave this guy. But then they proceeded to say, to portray him as a drug addict. And the doctor in the series actually went so far as to suggest if he just submitted to surgery, he would no longer have Complex Regional Pain Syndrome. It was the biggest crock of you-know-what um, there is no surgery to cure, to cure. There is no cure and there's actually no approved treatment for complex regional pain syndrome. But apparently on that TV show, there was a magic surgery. Uh, Miriam Banish joins us in the chat. Hello, Miriam. Bill uh, just said it. Senator Tom Sherman. Senator Tom uh, Sherman is the doctor in the New Hampshire uh, Senate who actually worked to change the laws for chronic pain patients here in New Hampshire. Okay. Put more control back into the doctor's hands, which isn't a new thing. No, it's not. New Hampshire is actually kind of a good place for that. We did the same thing for Lyme disease patients in the prescription, the prescribing of antibiotics, for example. So it's not the first time, and I'm sure it won't be the last that New Hampshire has taken that stand, but it's not enough. Mm-hmm. We're not there yet. Um, let's see. Yep. Uh, Bill Murphy's in there. Uh, uh, candy can do. I think we. Read her uh, comments earlier. Some great insights on the subject. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I'm just uh, scrolling through uh, some of these. We already uh, we already did. Uh, we got to more of these uh, during Red's uh, segment than I than I realized. Um, oh, but uh, Candy, of course, uh, expressing some support for. Candy wrote Amber. Was it Amber? It sounded like she said Amba, A M B A, which isn't a name I've. Uh, I'm not. Heard, I think it was before. Amber. Was, was it Amber? Yes. Yeah, she, uh, boy, I'll tell you, she sounds like she's in a terrible situation. My heart bra- breaks for her. But but I'm glad that, you know, we were able to give her a, I, I mean, I kind of got the feeling that, you know, she hasn't had a lot of um, opportunity to really be heard. You know, yeah. I'm glad we were able to. That's, a, least... that's a large part of it because the people that we're talking about are a small group of people. Yeah. It's not a large number of people in the state of New Hampshire that mm-hmm. have these incurable, irretractable diseases that are in palliative care. Yeah, you know, right. it, it it it's it's such a small group. It's hard to be heard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Candy says uh, we are all here for you, Amber. We are going through the same things. You're not alone. Uh, we are all in major pain and have been tortured and pushed around and treated like criminals. We are all doing as much as we can. As I've learned, it all takes time, which I know is really really hard to go through, even a second of pain. And there are not as many doctors as you might think. In fact, I remember when we were advocating on this one, one of the major pain groups here in the state of New Hampshire closed their doors. They left. Yep. They left. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. Um, it's just, it's, it's frustrating. I've watched too many videos. I've seen stage four cancer patients in tears sitting outside of a, of a, gross, or of a grocery store or a pharmacy because they just got turned down for their prescription because the pharmacist says, oh, you're drug seeking. I don't, I don't trust this and arbitrarily didn't. And in that particular I'll background on that one, this woman was a pain patient with stage four cancer. Her pharmacy ran out of medication. So she went to a neighboring pharmacy with her prescription and then was accused of trying to seek. The just because deal. Hey, oh, what's this? Breakfast from Mickey D's. From me? Yep. Why? Because it's morning and you like McDonald's. Let's eat while it's hot. There's a deal for every act of kindness at McDonald's. The steak, egg, and cheese bagel is back at McDonald's. Order ahead on the app and pick up curbside. 
Price and participation may vary. McD app download and registration required. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. Even though they could have just picked up the phone and called the other pharmacy to verify it. Mm-hmm. Um, but rather than do anything like that, they literally shut the door in her face and kicked her out. Uh, Ashley Rogers uh, says, speaking of Black History Month, African-Americans suffer from sickle cell the most, and it's painful. We need an outcry as big as the BLM movement for the sickle cell patients' rights to proper and adequate adequate pain care. Uh, Andrew Kolodny claims he, quote, saved minorities from addiction by limiting their access to prescription pain meds, unquote. That's uh, interesting. I'll have to... That name is familiar to me, Andrew Kolodny, but uh, I don't know much about sickle cell anemia, but I have read that... that uh, She's 100% right. It, it does yeah. affect people of color far, far more than any other group of our population. It's extraordinarily painful. It requires a lot of treatment. It's In fact, it's, it's another thing that gets put into palliative care. You're trying to keep your patient copacetic and functioning at the best possible way, but... Now you put these arbitrary rules in place and it doesn't matter if you have sickle cell. We're going to treat you the same way as if you had a, a sore ankle, have some Tylenol and go home. And that's not okay. Uh, hello to Julie Litton in the Facebook live chat. Another new name in there. Hello, Julie. Years ago, when I first started working in a hospital, I worked at what was Jordan Hospital. It's now um, Beth Israel South, I think they call it, um, in Plymouth, Massachusetts. One of the vital signs was pain. When you went around for your pain, it was their pain scale. It wasn't just blood pressure and temperature. It also was what was their pain and are we, are we taking care of it appropriately? You had a, it was part of the patient bill of rights that there was, you know, expectation that you wouldn't be left to, to writhe around in agony. But that's um, not, that's not what happens. Rocky Huber with an interesting insight. Uh, he says, I think a common misconception about opioids is that it makes everyone who takes it high uh, if you're truly in pain, then then the medication helps with managing the pain. The ones who get high and mind-altering are the ones who have no pain and abuse it. Yeah, they use too much of it, more than they're Absolutely. prescribed. You're right. That, right. That, that, is, that is so true. That's a, Absolutely. That's a great, great point, uh, uh, Rocky. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Bill Murphy says, Dope Sick is nothing but BS propaganda. The show depicted a patient being afraid to take pain relief via... Uh, in hospital opioid pain meds and glorified the patient for making what the show termed the right choice, quote unquote. So you should writhe in agony because that's the right choice. If you give in, as they say, to something to actually be able to, oh, I don't know, take a shower by yourself, then then you're what, weak? Is that what it is? We're going to tell people they're weak because they don't want to suffer? I, most of the people who want pain control want to be able to hold their grandbabies. They want to be able to still work if it's possible. They, they don't want to lose what little control over their lives that they have because the minute you let that happen is when you end up in bed for two years like mm-hmm. I did. And I don't ever want to end up there again. Oh. And it takes and it, 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 it's a fear factor. Don't blame you. It's a fear factor we all carry. 
Um, somebody was asking too in the chat about uh, where they can get this uh, the the show um, after uh, you know if, for anything that you missed. Of course, uh, it'll be up uh, by usually about six thirty p.m. About within thirty minutes after we get off the air. You know, it goes up on the station's website wmnhradio.org. Uh, or you can go to my website, mattconnerton.com, and get it there. And, of course, it goes on all the major podcasting platforms, and it'll be here, uh, right here, preserved on the Facebook. Um, yeah, Candy really likes what you were saying. She says, right, exactly, Jenny. One uh, of the things that I want that I didn't get to ask him about, but it's it's actually one of the topics of one of the articles I'm working on is also in New Hampshire and, and most other places now, pain patients have to sign what's called a pain contract. Mm-hmm between their doctor and them. And one of the requirements in there is you only use one pharmacy. Sounds good on surface, right? But if you're on eight or nine medications, and guess what? We live in the state of if, uh, United States of America where everybody gets to bargain for pricing. My insurance company prices with one medication and it's $500 if I use their mail order. If I go to, the, to Rite Aid, it might be $30. If I go to Walgreens, it might be $70 or it might be $150. I personally have four pharmacies right now in order to get my medicines as economically feasible as I can. And that's only because I'm allowed to because I'm not pigeonholed by that kind of a contract. Some people say, okay, only your controlled drugs have to go through that pharmacy. But for everybody I've ever talked to, and my understanding was, you have to agree to only use one pharmacy, period, mm-hmm. no matter what. So, like, I have an Emla cream, which is a numbing cream for my power port. I have a port in my mm-hmm. chest that they access with a nice big needle. If I go to Walgreens, it's $10. If I go to Rite Aid, it's $150. It's if I try to do it from mail order, it's $230. Wow. So it, seriously, and this is this is where patients are stuck. We don't get to make these prices. You say that's a tier two, and you'll send it for thirty, and somebody else says, "Oh well, we'll have to order that in, and we're going to charge you sixty or seventy. We don't get a choice in that. If we don't pay the med, pay for the the medication, we don't have it. No money, no med. Period. If I don't have six hundred dollars for my infusion, there is no medication going into this body. Oh. I need to have that money up front. This is what people are stuck in. They're you, stealing from Peter to pay Paul. That's true. Do you know that there are a lot of people that have severe diabetes? Yeah. And they, uh, because they're low income, they cannot afford all the, the, the medication. And so they also have to set yep. back. And you know. You and I know somebody, I know for a fact, is supposed to have seven vials of insulin a month and only get six because they can't afford it. Yeah. And, 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 and it's funny because they, they should be taking something else that will do a better job at a cheaper cost. Oh, yeah. And they can't because they can't afford the machinery that goes into their body right. to get it started. Or you can't afford the medication. There's a long-acting version of one of my medications, but I can't afford work. it. It's an insane amount of money. The system don't work. And when they created Medicaid Part D underneath the second George Bush, they made a mistake, the Congress and the Senate. They never negotiated a contract to give a discount. Our government is the biggest provider of, of, of prescription drugs because of Medicaid Part D, yet they never negotiate. If you have an employer that has 100 employees, automatically they can negotiate. So who are they working for? They're not working for the people. Lobbyists in D.C. Yes, you're right. Uh, Scott Robinson in the chat says, well, Jenny, that was uh, that's one of the uh, huge systemic problems with our healthcare system. It's all rigged for the insurance companies. Mm-hmm. 
Yep. Uh, Candy says some doctors now have to electronically send a prescription to a pharmacy, especially if it's an opioid medicine. And Ashley Rogers, now this is responding to Scott. Uh, Scott says that um, that that uh, that uh, Dopesick is not all BS, uh, responding to Bill Murphy, and that it's about Purdue and the lies they were telling about the um, about uh, how addictive that uh, medication is. Um, Ashley Rogers says, but they twisted so many things. They said the addiction rate was 98%, which was totally backwards. It's less than 2%. That's what we're talking about. They're perpetuating the propaganda. When I was thinking about trying the ketamine infusions, Matt, you were with me when this happened. I was really terrified about trying it, but I was at, at the point of either, you know, going one way or another. That, But uh, the doctor looked at me and I said, I'm worried about getting addicted and I'll never forget it. He said, your body may become addicted or need that medication in order for your body to work appropriately. But that does not mean that you, your mind, you psychologically will become addicted. Mm -hmm. There's a difference. Yeah. And it did, it did stay with me that that doctor said that, and it did play a role in making the decision to try the infusions. Yeah. I mean, if your body needs it, your body needs it. It's no different than, you know, that would be like, you know, you wouldn't tell uh, someone who's diabetic while you're, you're you're addicted to insulin, right? Right. They they right. need they need the insulin to. Uh, uh, Candy uh, says, uh, Jenny, it's dependent, not addicted. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Exactly. You're right. And those terms do get conflated. Mm -hmm. That is true. She is yeah, right. That is sure. a correction. I should be more more careful of. Yeah. My body is dependent on certain medications that I take in order, like the mestadon. If I had to stop taking it, if I even miss a dose, I can't see. Like er the world just gets all foggy. Yeah. I can see grossly, but everything's got like a film on it. I look funny when that happens, though, because I try to look around the film. You ever do that? Like, it's kind of like when you're in the car and you're lost, you turn down the radio so you can see better. Oh. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Rocky says, uh, why is Narcan free, but insulin isn't? Well, you don't you don't get a prescription to Narcan. That's used for, to be for emergency. use. Really? Yeah, no. People weren't allowed to have Narcan in their house. Now you can have Narcan in your house. Yeah, you can have. But it, it used to be. Uh, but, but it's not a prescription, right? It it's is a prescription. Case, no, really? it's a prescription. Oh, and That's it's free. Yes, well, in in a lot of instances, they've yes. they've managed to negotiate that one right down to free. How do you like mm. that? And yes, and, and, but and, insulin is still seven hundred for some people, a hundred for another. And, and if you've got Cadillac insurance, it'll only be twenty dollars. Yeah. And 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 in, I believe in the pharmaceuticals now you can buy it now. Narcan? Yes. I don't know it exactly comes, what the it, it comes in kits. You can only have so much, but they they allow you to have it. I am not a, opposed at all. No, I'm not. To opposed. me, that's the same thing as like it's, I mean, I want saving a life. Put yeah, exactly. It's like AEDs. We should have AEDs everywhere and anywhere. Any business who wants to get an AED should look at the state and help and get one through the state because you can get a discount. You can save lives. So yes, put a Narcan around places. Save lives. Absolutely. You know, the the, the, the the problems on solving addiction will never be solved by our government because they don't care. They just, they're not doing anything. They're past, they're, they're, the rules that they're, they, they've created. It's not economically feasible for them to care. I'm cheaper if I'm dead at an earlier age. Very well said. That's sad, but it's very well it's said. It's the truth. It's the truth. It's the truth. Have you ever heard that they claim that in America, we're accessible a lot collateral of politicians damage. say that we need to lose a million people, and if we lost those million people every year, they wouldn't be on Medicare anymore, for example. Exactly. Excuse me? Yeah. 
Wow. Yeah. Well, yeah, the government would just as soon you die, and the insurance companies would just as soon you die. You know, once you start costing them money. Absolutely. And if you live to be 65 and you expect to get your Social Security money, well, heck, if you're dead, I don't have to give you anything. That's right. Somebody else will get it. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, well the, somebody else is the government. Here, yeah, yeah. Okay. It just and stays in their pocket remember for them to, that to in, spend in whatever they since, want since to. Since 1970, our federal government has borrowed Two trillion dollars of the medic of the social security checks money, and claimed that they would pay two percent back. They're not even paying the interest back. <laughs> and you wonder why we're broke. Dime back. Yeah, no wonder. You know. So then everybody who's on those programs gets a cola recently, uh, but all the prices on medications went up, the insurance cost went up, the out of pocket expenditure went up, and everybody who's on SSDI and Social Security is now making less money than they did last year. It's so true. I got $110 more per month this because the the uh, because the 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 cost of living has gone up so much. And $58 of that, half of it, went to Medicare. Wow. Uh, Bill Murphy in the chat says a lot of patients uh, on opioid pain meds are required in their treatment contract to take a prescription for Narcan. The problem, really? uh, that's interesting. Yeah. The problem is many insurance providers flag <laughs> the patient as having o opioid use disorder once you fill the Narcan prescription. It, it, well, it didn't fair. used to be like that, but like, and people don't even realize there are a lot of different ways. It's not even just about drug addicts. I, I've, I've had to respond to a cancer patient's house who accidentally had too much. It wasn't that they downed it all to get high. They were hurting and they accidentally took a little too much. And unfortunately, we had to to mm -hmm. give them Narcan and strip every ounce of pain med out of their body, which is horrible to do to somebody with cancer, in order to get them to revive again. I mean, it's yeah, it's not necessary. Not all are the same. Not all are one and the same. Just because there's Narcan in the room doesn't mean it's a drug addict. That's right. Um, yeah, Ashley Rogers says the state's health secretaries send standing orders so anyone can get Narcan. Hmm. Interesting. Rocky Uber says, Glenn, can you drop a new song today? Wow. He's, 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 he's great. enticing who? you. Who? 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 I think Rocky, Rocky. has the hots uh, for you. Rocky. He's I got the hots him, for you. I met him once last week at the Home Depot. I think it's the he, scarf. He, he, the he fact read, that you no. wear like an ascot well, has got Today I him. have a scarf. Yeah. It's the holiday. Yes. Well, so, he thinks so I, you're hot. I do have one since it's Valentine's. Oh, do you? Rocky, yeah. want, oh, you're going to serenade Rocky. Well, there I'm we not go. serenading anybody. Well, it's he's Valentine. the one asking. Well, yeah, but it's Valentine's. You, ser you serenaded Carl? Yeah. No, no, no. The, that, was a, that was a song for a cure. And I also serenaded you because I played for you as well. Ha-ha, <laughs> that's I, right. <laughs> I just didn't call you out. And I melted. Well, oh, you, you said you were offended that I didn't put your name on it. That's right. <laughs> oh, my God. That's right. Seriously, you, you, yes, that's right. I, I felt like I felt left out. I felt it was like all it about was Carl. I felt like it was all about Carl. There was no, no Maddie involved. No, no, no Maddie involved. Carl oh. Clayton of it's, the Morning Show. It's funny. I, you 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 just it's all about Carl, and I pressed this button and meet Carl. <laughs> See, <laughs> you are mean. By the way, uh, Carl. He is. He's evil that way. Carl is also my favorite character on Aqua Teen Hunger Force. I just want to mention. What is that. Aqua Teen Hunger Force? You've never seen Aqua Teen Hunger Force? Is that a drink like Aqua Teen like? Teen, you know, no. like what was that called? Aqua Teen. What was that stuff called? The drink. I don't remember what the drink was. I don't know what you're talking about. Oval Teen. That's it. Oval Teen. Oval Teen. Yeah. 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 That's what it was. Gross. No Oval Teen, please. No. 
Did, did you yeah. uh, find a song to send yes. me there, uh, Glenn? Give me one second. Oh, oh my goodness. He's going to oh. serenade oh. you, Rocky. Oh, you gonna... must be trembling with excitement. You are something We else. can hear his little pitter-patter <laughs> heart. Glenn uh, told me earlier that he yodeled recently for the first time. Really? Yeah. Uh, Rocky has a request. He oh. says, make a song. Make me a song about how we met in Home Depot. Well, I can't do that right off the bat. I'm not, not much of a genius. And, uh, oh, thank God. Ashley Rogers, uh, apparently her favorite character from Aqua Teen Hunger Force is Meatwad. See, now I thought she was trying to say Meatloaf and spelled it wrong. No, no, Meatwad. Meatwad That's a character? Would probably be my what second. What is this thing? Yeah, is you, it a cartoon? Just, uh, yeah, go on YouTube after the show. You'll see. You Send me a link. I'm lazy. <laughs> and I can't remember the full name. Oh, okay. It is a long name. Aquatine yes. Hunger Force. Yes. Ovaltine? No. no. I thought you said Ovaltine. No. And you're hungry. Okay. I have it right here. Oh, Did goodness. You... <laughs> Let's see if I can send it. To you. Miriam Banish says puddles it's... went on. I went on your. With... You. It's coming out of Puddles went on your with Aquatine Hunger Force. Are, they, are these a people or a cartoon? Is it a group of people? Aquatine? Aquatine. It's a, it's a cartoon. Oh, it's a cartoon. Rocky Huber uh, says Frylock definitely holds it down. Yes. So and Puddles I, the Clown. Oh, Puddles went on Pity tour, Party. Tour. Puddles went on tour with Aquatine Hunger Force. Oh, no kidding. There you go. Did you find a song, Glenn? Yes, it, we're running out of time. Yeah, and we're we're very anxious to hear your okay. dulcet tones. Oh, my God. As I always say, okay. now, I know this we have... This is for you, Rocky. We have some new listeners because Red was on earlier. It, you, prepare yourselves. Gird yourselves if you can. For the vocal <laughs> stylings. Oh, my God. Stop. You get me in trouble every time you talk like that. This man has a golden throat. I do not. And, and he's voice, going to serenade. He has the voice our of... Our very own. The voice of an angel. Rocky. No, not Rocky. Glenn. Yes. Glenn R.J. Willette. No, he's going to serenade oh. Rocky, yes. who's well, obviously he's... trembling with with delight and anticipation in the, oh quiv my God, in the chat room quiv Quivering, out. Are you ready? It is Valentine's Day. Do you Day. need like a drum roll or something? No, no, no. Do you need no, to like that, count you off? One and a two and a three. No? None of that? Is Rocky your Valentine? Is that why no. you're uh, why you have a song why for him? That's why all these funny. I, I only had him once. You only had him once? You oh, only had him, had him once? once. <laughs> Stop my words goodness. in my mouth. Oh, no. I, I you thought, said you had I, I Rocky. Thought, I thought you said something where did, very... Where did you have Rocky for? Where were you going with it? At Home Depot, I would assume. Oh. Well, is that allowed? I, fraternize? hiding in one of the aisles? You can fraternize with the customers in that way at Home That's Depot? That's allowed? No, he was in the store and he recognized my voice. I, I, we had never met before. He didn't know who I was. And I then you two was. stowed away behind the potted plants no, we and were roses. Right in <laughs> Eric Street joins us in the uh, Facebook live chat, says Carl was an interesting character. Well, I, I'm i never going to be able to say his name again because I'm going to have it all wrong because of you people. Mm -hmm. That's right. <laughs> I, I I have it. Um, I have it under WhatsApp, but I don't have it in Facebook. So I'm going to play this one here. Okay. okay. So you're going to dedicate a different Do song to Rocky? There's a hat here you can wear while you perform if you'd like. I'm not performing it. I'm you playing are it. Oh, no, I thought you were going to no, sing live. Don't put me on the spot. Jared Martineau uh, in the chat room says, the quality of today's show makes up for every time I heard about Crazy Joe. <laughs> well, that's nice. I'm glad we... I'm happy to offer you a make good. You have a... You have a you're... Here it is. All right. All right. I have to send it to you, don't I? What? Do I have to send it to you? No, just... Well, I what are you, you were going to just I play can play it. it like this or yeah. I can send it to you. Are you going to sing? 
or are you just or are it's we? It's already sung. Oh, so we're just playing the you song. You should sing it again send, with it. Send, I don't know it by heart. No, send it to me so I can play it through the All board. Right, I'll do it right oh, now. then you should okay. do. You could do the chorus with it. Mm, I that's bet you true. know the chorus. Yes. You can harmonize with yourself. Don't while we think lovey mat. thoughts of Rocky. Mm-hmm. Don't put me. <laughs> Don't put you where on the spot too Wrong. late. Yeah, it's done. Rocky is the indicated. Spot is uh, landed it, in front of your feet. It's just been sent. All right, here there's we a, go. There's the sunlight on your head, glowing. Here we go. Wow, it's a long song. Here <laughs> yeah, we go. Well, play whatever you want. <laughs> oh, it's, it's a Michael Jackson song, and it's oh, called God. "You Are Not Alone." <laughs> well, it's a hard, it was a hard song for me to sing that on the Michael Jackson song. Wow. Right now, I'm, I'm working on doing a lead, uh, lead. Zeppelin song. This is for you, Rocky. Uh, Glenn is letting you know that you are not alone. Oh my God! Wow, it's Valentine's. Very Happy good. Valentine's, everyone. Happy Valentine's, Rocky, from Glenn R. J. Willette, the People's Mayor. Someone tell me why did you have to go? Michael Jackson singing in the background. Wow, it's like you're duetting with him. I am. Oh. Every day I sit and ask myself. How did love slip? Want to dance, Maddie? Uh, no. <laughs> he doesn't want to do it in public. You are not alone. I am here with you. Though you're far away, I am here to stay. You are not alone. I am here with you. Are we at a concert? <laughs> Sounds like it. You're always in my heart. You are not alone. You're always in our hearts, Glenn. Huh. <laughs> Rocky Uber wants to shine your uh, head. Shine my head? What? Rub not, your head, it's so shiny. He wants I'm, to buff it. I'm not that bald. Oh. Wax on, Just wax off. That poor car. <laughs> I thought I heard you cry, asking me to come. Ooh. For Rocky, his heart as one. <laughs> I can hear your prayers, your burden. I, I hope the ladies are enjoying this. At first, I need you? your hand. <laughs> and Carl. <laughs> it's not a Carl song. I thought they were all Carl songs. Every day I sit and ask myself, how did our love slip away? Oh dear, Rocky. <laughs> Something whispers in my ear and says, Let's hide out at Home Depot. You'll never be alone. It's the Rocky Glen. Be so jealous. Oh my god. I, I think I made think, Rocky very happy. I think Matt Connors is going to be very jealous. I am. <laughs> no, Unsheathed will be unsheathed. And I 
And girl, you know that I'll be there. I'll be there. Coming for you, Rocky. <laughs> you are not alone. No, you're not. <laughs> That's my inversion. Oh. Yes, I am. Not part of the song. Oh. No, you're far huh? away. Yes, we are. <laughs> I am here to say definitely. You are not alone. No, we're not. <laughs> I am here with you. Yes, I am. Though we're far apart, let's work on it. You're always in my heart. There's nothing good going you through my head right now. <laughs> I'm sure. For I am here with you. Though you're far away. Glenn will come through. I make all the songs I record my own. I am here for you. Here for you, Rocky. And you, Carl. You're always in my heart. There's always room for you, too. You are not alone. You too, Jen. And you, and you, and you. Oh, you are not room. you are not alone. Room. <laughs> Say it again. Say it again. You are not you are not alone. Not alone. Not alone. Come shop at Home Depot. We're, we're coming you in the end. Hey, you can't have a in the morning <laughs> or in the it's evening. Not alone. These opinions are not, not alone. alone. <laughs> Just you and me. Not you hear that, Rocky? Just you oh, and me. Together. Leave the poor guy alone. Together. <laughs> God done being alone. I love dun, this. Dun, 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 I added that. <laughs> wow. God done being alone. Dun, 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 dun. Thank you. Hope you enjoyed it. Oh, the song is <laughs> done. Dun, dun, dun. That was my ending. Uh, Rocky in the chat says... Uh, uh, he, he was saying he was in his mind, uh, you and he were slow dancing in the aisle. <laughs> oh, at, I don't think so. At Home Depot. <laughs> and then he said, now Glenn is singing to me while he's mixing my paint. <laughs> Mix my paint, Glenn. Next, I want you to make me a key. All right, now. Uh, a no. key with your face on it. Oh, God. <laughs> we don't have those at home. <laughs> oh, <wow>. See? <laughs> Thank God. They're la- they need to get a new shipment. In, yeah. Um, and he's, shitting it. It yes. never existed. And he said, he, uh, Glenn. he said, wow, Glenn, that's such a straight two by four. All right. Oh, boy. Well, very good. Well, Glenn, RJ, well, uh, thank you again. Uh, the voice of an angel. <laughs> Happy Valentine's Day to you. And uh, thank and you. you. Thank, and you and you and you. Thank you. And you and thank you, you to everybody who joined us today. Thank you so much to Red Lawhern for Absolutely. joining us. And we will uh, do that more often. Was it, that the Wizard of Oz and you and you and you? Did that come from the Wizard of Oz? I have no idea. I think it did. I don't either. I've... Just you. Oh no! Uh, you're thinking of the Sound of Music. Oh, the Sound of Music. And you, and you, and you, and you, and you. Yes, yes. I'm not a big musicals guy, but I do love the Sound of Music. There you go. Absolutely. All right. Thank you to everybody in the chat room, and uh, great. Uh, thank you to everyone who called. Thank you again to Red and Jenny. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, if you missed any part of today's show, it will be up in just a little bit. At WMNHradio.org. And uh, Glenn, is your version of uh, You Are Not Alone, is that available as a, a single that we can get? At, uh... Can we buy it on Spotify? No. You should, uh, you should put out a single. I'm, not there. I'm putting out an album in the spring. That's all I'm going to Seriously? Yeah. All right. My favorites where I succeeded in actually making it. 
professional, even though I'm not a professional. Uh-huh. There are some songs that they're they're at my level that I can I can do a better job. Okay. There are some songs Looking that have, there it. are some songs that I have to record fifty times before I get it. Some gotcha. of them are very difficult. Well, you're a perfectionist. We know this that. This is true. Yes, yes. So the people's mayor, Glenn R. J. Willett. All right, that's gonna Happy do Valentine. it. Uh, that's gonna do it for us for now. And uh, yeah, we didn't get to play this earlier, so we'll we'll play it now. And uh, <laughs> we'll talk to y'all a little bit later. Bye, everybody. When you bundle your renters and auto insurance with Progressive, you could save money, but it doesn't cover any terrible memories living rent-free in your head. Remember when one of your best players got injured, but not like on a play or anything? He got injured celebrating a play, and it's not like it was a game-winning play or in the playoffs, and he was out the rest of the season because he was injured while celebrating? Yeah. Sorry, we can't save you from that memory, but we could save you money bundling your renters and auto insurance with Progressive. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and third-party insurers. Renters insurance and bundle discount not available in all states or situations.